This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And I'm sitting here in the writing room at Lord's Cricket Ground in the pavilion, actually, uh, for today's podcast. And just makes me think it's actually nearly 40 years since I arrived here for the first time to play my first season for Middlesex and I don't know why but it just reminds me of walking through these corridors and going up to the dressing room above and hanging my coat on a hook in the dressing room for my first day's training here at Lord's uh, to go over to the nursery and I put my coat on a hook and a player looked at me a senior player looked at me and he said You'll need a lot of hard yakka before you can hang your coat on that hook, mate. Bugger off down the corridor. And that's how the, the name of my book, A Lot of Hard Yakka, was, was born, really, uh, because he told me that that, that morning. It wasn't particularly uh, polite, but anyway, um, it was uh, an interesting experience, to say the least. I'm looking out, actually, at the uh, rebuilding of the Compton Edrich stands, which are, are well underway. The, the Compton Edrich stands that, that were there before have been demolished, of course, and there's a big crane up there and a digger as well, getting the foundations ready for the new stand, which will be half-built by the time the season starts in a couple of months' time. I'm joined by Hugh Turberville, the main editor of the Cricketer magazine, alongside me, um, we're going to look, look today at uh, an interesting interview that you secured, Hugh, with Tom Harrison, the chief executive of the ECB, who came out with some very interesting quotes. And, and the full feature is in the next issue of the Cricketer magazine, which is out at the weekend. The title on the cover is ECB Chief in the Spotlight. And we're going to hear a little bit of Tom Harrison talking about some of the things he said to you. What do you think of, of Tom Harrison, actually? I mean, you've been covering the game now for, you know, 30 years or so, and you've met lots of, of people working in the game. What, what's your view of Tom Harrison? He seems like a good cricket man, and, and he, he's upset by some of the criticism he's received. He, he says he doesn't read it because he just, you know, it hurts him. Uh, he's got good cricketing credentials, and obviously his expertise in TV rights and so forth... Um, the ECB felt he was the right man to become chief exec and 
he's got this very good TV deal, hasn't he, for the English game. So I think this interview allowed him partially the opportunity to sort of talk about cricket uh, in his South African upbringing, which I didn't actually know, Mm. uh, and playing for Alan Lamb's North Hants and Kim Barnett's Derbyshire, uh, before we then got to sort of nitty-gritty and and I asked him questions and I posed some questions from our cricketer readers. So Yeah, and and actually I I like your point about the the, the counter-career he had because... I think it's important to remember, and there's a lot of negativity about administrators in general. I mean, they are an easy target. But he is a cricket man, and I always, whenever I talk to him, and I have a, a reasonably, you know, decent relationship with him, and whenever I talk to him, I do, I do feel the love that he has for cricket yeah. and his desperation to, to make cricket more successful and more sustainable, actually. We, he made a half-century against Martin Bicknell on Surrey, so uh, he obviously can play a bit. Uh, and he, he still only, plays for Teddington, actually. He still plays. Yeah. I mean, he, he loved playing for Teddington uh, with Danny War, one of the wars, the forgotten okay. wars, the, 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 the really, really forgotten, forgotten war. war. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. No. So he, he loved all that. Yeah. So um, Oundle School. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, currently training. I know for the uh, London Marathon. Right. He's doing uh, a, a campaign for the Ruth Strauss Foundation alongside Andrew, of course, and he's, uh, he's others. Mean. In fact, yeah. Angus Fraser apparently is uh, taking part in that as well. So Good they're man. they're doing a lot of training together at the moment. It may be that Tom's out there jogging around the the Regent's Park as we speak. Although there's so much to do in the game that there isn't much time for for marathon training. So let, let's get to to his interview and, and, and talking about the things that he did. And one of the first subjects was he w- he wanted to put the record straight a bit actually about his view on test cricket because there was quite a lot of comment about the fact that he appeared to support the idea of four-day test cricket but actually it doesn't appear that is the case essentially. Yeah, Cricket Australia chief exec Kevin Roberts came out and and quite supportive of four-day tests wasn't he Um, and then I think the ECB came out with a statement that um, the ECB were cautiously supportive of it but uh, as as is the the agenda these days, things these things get clipped, you know, um, very short sound bites and so forth. And he he says uh, we're going to play the quote, but he says he's cautiously supportive of four day tests in certain geographies in certain times of the year against certain opposition, but unequivocally he is not going to introduce blanket four day tests into English cricket in the next few years. Quote: um, The Ashes, the World Test Championship, will remain five day tests. And, um, you know, we'll still have maybe the odd one-off test of the like we had against Ireland last summer. But, no, he's very supportive of five-day tests. I mean, I, I did say to him, and I can't understand that really why the ECB wouldn't be supportive of five-day tests. They're so lucrative for, for, for English cricket. I mean, test cricket is buoyant in this country, isn't it? I know it's struggling around the world. But, um, and I did put it, you know, and he, you know, he's suggesting the ICC, the, the ones who really want just four-day tests. But he says... Good luck with that to the ICC. The ICC is us. We will block it. You know, India, Australia, England, and the others are a powerful lobby, and and, and let, you know it won't be just four-day tests for the next few years, which will reassure a lot of traditionalists. Let's just hear a bit of that interview then, and talking about the four-day, five-day test debate from Tom Harrison. I am not a champion for four-day test cricket. It is not a binary argument. Um, this year, we've had the most successful summer of test cricket that we've ever had. Sorry, last summer. 2019, right? We played one four-day test and we played five five-day tests, and they were all outrageously successful. Yeah. So when I say that I am supportive, cautiously supporting the four-day test cricket, what it means is that in certain geographies, in certain times of year, against certain opposition, um, in a cluttered calendar, 
um, when we are facing enormous pressure on schedules, four-day test cricket does answer some questions some of the time. It is not the answer to all of our problems, except for the ICC right now, because the ICC want to make as much room as they can to show, uh, to, to demonstrate the FTP can fit into a smaller window. They're not going to be successful at that, and we're going to protect international cricket. So clearly he wants to play the proper five-day test matches, certainly against you know, the major nations, Australia, India and so on, but also retaining the option to play some four-day test matches against lesser opposition or whether it, where it's more convenient. I can totally see that. I mean, you know, we, we, we're sitting here today at Lords, and I sometimes spend a bit of time in the, the, the committee room, the other side of the pavilion, the MCC committee room, and we often have this debate about the cost of the fifth day. And I know that uh, here at Lords, for instance, the fifth day of a test match can cost upwards of 120, 130,000 to stage without any guarantee of any play. It's, it's money they have to put aside to pay people like stewards, caterers and other people who are going to be expected to work and they have to pay them whether they work or not. So there is quite a, a, a significant expense. The price of everything and the value of nothing, Simon. Unfortunately, <laughs> that, that, that is true. But, I mean, when, when you know, day these, four, are, these are businesses. I do understand. They have when, to look at When them. day four becomes the final day, then they'll be pushing to get rid of day four and for the third day to be the final day, won't they? Personally, I quite like the idea of four-day tests because I think it, it has a, a sort of symmetry to it. Thursday and Friday for corporates, Friday and Saturday for the public, and uh, it, it fits neatly into a sort of week slot, so then you have three days off before playing the next one, so you can start on, on a Thursday again, rather than these kind of complicated set schedules where you start a Friday and you start on a Wednesday and nobody knows which day of the week it is for the, for the fourth or fifth day or whatever. Now, of course, I also understand the importance of having the option of a fifth day, and I would like to, to, to see, to experiment with, certainly not in Ash's test series, but in, say, say, other test series, of having the option of a fifth day only used if there's a lot of rain, you know, a lot of problems with delays and therefore you can make up the time with the option of a fifth day, but I wouldn't have it sort of set in stone. Well, luckily a Galactico of world stars have come out, a battalion of world stars have come out and sport the five-day game, so it doesn't look imminent, does it? I mean, Nasser Hussein made the point in the last mag, February mag, I think, that um, it was insulting to Ireland to give them four days. You know, it's just like, well, we're not, we'll give you a test, but it's not really a proper test. So. But that, that rather kind of um, contravenes the history of Test cricket, it does. which you know, was started as a three-day affair in the 1880s through to about 1940s. It was mostly three-day, a lot of three-day Test matches. And Pakistan, and I think West Indies, were still playing four-day Tests into the 70s, yeah. and even early 80s. So you know, it, Test cricket has always been a different length of duration. The key to it is it's a four-innings game, which is open-ended with no fielding restrictions and no restrictions on bowlers and things like that, rather than yeah. the actual duration. The brilliant New Zealand team of 1949, we had a lot of this in the mag the other day because uh, Walter Hadley's book is coming out about it, his diaries, and they played three three three-day tests, drew them all, um, and that, that got them bumped up to four days. So there, there, there's plenty of yeah different length games over mm. the years, hasn't there? So, 
Moving on to more of uh, Tom Harrison's interview, now the, the, the area that I thought was interesting that he also talked about, which will interest a lot of county fans, is the prospect. Obviously, the 100 is, is the big thing for this year and, and launching that with the eight new teams and there's a lot of focus on it and quite, some quite exciting plans to uh, the, the way they're going to stage it, the way they're going to broadcast it. It, it, it actually does sound quite exciting. I had a, a meeting the other day actually with uh, somebody from Sky talking about their plans to make it you know, a really interesting and inclusive way of, of covering the game. But... Further forward, Tom Harrison talks about the possibility of other teams joining it, which will reassure the, the fans, the members of places like Durham and Somerset. Well, will it reassure them or, or horrify them? Am I being cynical there? Um, but anyway... It's a good question. <laughs> um, well, at least they'll pe- feel included, hopefully. They wouldn't have any grounds to, be, to moan about a lock of, lack of inclusion, yeah. Um, Tom Harrison was telling me that, that cricket needs to redefine its connection with the working class communities in Durham and so forth in the North East. And a, a voice was screaming in my head, well, how come Durham haven't got a 100 team then? And he, he, the quote, this is the first five-year licence for the teams, the 100% opportunities for growth in the future. I'd love to have had a team from the North East and the South West in the 100. And I said, well, could that mean, therefore, that from 2025 onwards, Somerset and Durham could be in the 100? Could it be a 10-team tournament? Or, or maybe could other one or two teams get knocked out? And the IPL have a rejig every now and again, don't they? Well, that, that is partly because teams either um, fold, they, they go bankrupt, or they get suspended for mm. you know, various misdemeanours. So that's the main reason. Although the IPL is looking to expand as well and, and take it to a 10-team tournament, uh, ultimately, perhaps in a year or two's time. The county fans fear that they are being superseded, that the, count, the counties will go, and these new teams will be, will be domestic cricket, don't they? So I suppose that's what I'm saying, is that Somerset and Durham, if they get added to the roster and there are 10 teams, county aficionados will be terrified that their county game will disappear eventually and those 10 teams will play all the cricket, four-day cricket, 50 over, 20 over. OK, well, let's hear Tom's uh, comments on what he sees for the future of the 100, perhaps in the, the, the medium term. We've said that this is a five-year, um, uh, you know, the first five-year licences for the, for the teams and we're going, you know, we've, we've made a five-year commitment to those, to those teams. I think, that, you know, the 100 will... Uh, present opportunities for growth in the future. I'm absolutely certain of that. Right. But I would love to have had the ability to put the North East and the South West into, into the 100. We just didn't have the available um, funding to do it and, and to do it successfully. Um, you know, the bottom line is this is about growing the game of cricket in this country. We've, you know, we, we had a full process of how people were um, bidding for those, for those teams. And we had a proper process sitting behind it. Of course, there are... Um, in any process, there are uh, situations where you wish um, you, know, you could serve everybody to the same extent. But there, there are, this is a world of tough choices we live in. Um, our job now is to make sure that we make those women's matches as successful as they can be on the grounds that aren't hosting men's games. And let's see what happens in five years' time, okay. and whether we can grow, um, whether we can grow the hundred and introduce um, introduce more more teams because we are serving a great number more fans. I know for sure that, that, that Tom Harrison is very keen for 18 counties to be still in existence in another yeah. five to ten years and 
for them to be sustainable. But yeah. what he's trying to encourage them to do is to find new ways of being sustainable themselves rather than relying on the board. And So what do you think about the idea of a, a, a Somerset team in the 100? Well, I think Somerset... Taunton, they're very unlucky not to have a team in the 100. I mean, that really is the glaring omission for me. And I've always suggested that it shouldn't be an eight-team tournament, it should be a nine-team tournament. And then people say to me, what about Durham 10-team tournament? I mean, you know, it's getting unwieldy then, isn't it, with 10 teams? I mean, eight is the, is the, is the number, isn't it? That's what you have in the IPL, the Big Bash. Yeah. But, I mean, Somerset have been brilliant have mm. been a fantastic county, the traditional county, aren't they? They've, they've been real uh, pioneers of T20. I mean, they fill Taunton out for the T20 games, and it'll be games down there will be tre- are tremendous, will, would be tremendous. So I do think Somerset are very unlucky. Yeah, it may be, actually, partly due to the fact that their stadium, that their ground is just not that big. And one of the... No. Although they've done a lot of development on it, I know, and it's an impressive place to watch the game, what they were looking at with the 100, really, was to try and get big stadiums, or, you know, Britain's, England's biggest stadiums, to be used as much as possible to try and maximise the, mm. the number of people watching. And actually, the, the sales, interestingly, of, of the 100 tickets have gone well so far. I think they sold 100,000 tickets in the first 24 hours which obviously it's only a seventh of what they need to sell, but clearly there has been some, some interest and enthusiasm and we'll probably get blanket and, and a barrage of, of marketing as the uh, spring and sort of summer wears on. I think it will be a success, but I, like you, would like to see a southwest inclusion there as well. Well, believe me, I love Welsh cricket and with a name like Hugh, H-U-W, I could not love the Welsh cricket. I love Glamorgan cricket, but if you have to say strictly on cricketing credentials... Somerset have probably got a better case than Glamorgan. But, I mean, I absolutely see the fundamental need to have cricket in Cardiff and Wales. It's England and Wales cricket board. So I'm not for one minute advocating that Glamorgan lose it, but I'm just saying you'd have to say probably Somerset feel a bit unlucky. Right, well, we're looking out on the Lord's Cricket Ground and uh, there's actually a, a, a strange heater thing on the square which seems to be trying to encourage some grass growth up at the top of the square, maybe a, a new piece of kit that they're using here at Lord's to make sure the, the square gets uh, not, it's plenty of nourishment. It's a cloudy day, so it's obviously replicating uh, the potential sunshine that the grass needs to grow at this time of year. It's only, what two months, less than two months, till the first game here at Lords. I don't know when the uh, final bit of the Compton Edric stand will be ready for occupation. It's not going to actually finish building until next year, but they're going to use about half of it for this year for the season. But there have been some delays. And the oval Laker Lock stand is being rebuilt. So it's quite interesting to see, you suddenly see different views of the two famous old grounds, don't you, that you wouldn't normally have with the stands there. And I can, we can now see the trees and the houses Beyond the nursery ground now, can't we? Gumby Allen would have been very happy. The old uh, eminence grees of Lords who always said, I want to be able to see the trees Mm. over the top of the stand. I don't want those stands built too high. I want to be able to see those trees. Uh, We won't be able to see the trees when they finish the stand, I can (laughs) tell you that. Anyway, um, talking of county cricket, so not long to go, obviously, till the start of the season. Uh, First county match, actually, which features the MCC, is going to be in Sri Lanka this year, interestingly, playing against the champion county Essex. And uh, Kumar Sangakkara has had a big uh, say in that as the current president of the MCC. But 
This brings us round to that perennial issue of scheduling and the county championship always scheduled at the beginning and end of the season, which is very much to many people's dislike. And Tom's had his own comments on that, Tom Harrison. Yeah, I mean, I, I said test cricket is the ECB's cash cow and if you have 11 game championship games out of 14 out of season as they have in spring and autumn, that's going to have a detrimental effect on England's test team and therefore that will start having an effect on ECB money, won't it, if the test team starts struggling? Uh, I said, but you know, he, the implication is that the counties very much wanted there were a few championship games at the start of the season, and then a load of blast games. The blast is the is the, is the are the matches that make the money for the counties, and they want those in in high summer. And you know, they they understand that the hundred comes between mid July and mid August, but in the run up to that, they want the blast. And I. Um, I, I put this to, to, to Tom, and he, he said, "You said that, not me. We need to take a look at this. Um, we'll play the quote for you." But he promised. I do think we need to rebalance where the championship fits in the schedule, um, and, and in the meantime, they're going to make sure that the pitches up, are up to scratch as much as they can. You know, even though the games are being played in sort of April and September. The schedule has come about through consultation, led by the counties themselves. Yeah. So that, that well, they want their blast games in high summer. We need to take a look at this, and I think we will over the course of the, the, the coming uh, season. There's some things we can do in the meantime to try and ensure that uh, things like pitch preparation are absolutely in line with our ambitions to create the right environment for uh, test, potential test cricketers to thrive at championship level, for us to be able to identify that talent. I don't think that is always the case at championship level at the moment. Um, and uh, remember that the consultation, ECB were part of that, but it was led yep. and dominated by counties. Right. So I don't think we can be, you know, um, that can be levelled at ECB to the extent perhaps it's being, we have to make sure we get the balance right. Um, we haven't, uh, look, that, 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 that's something that the, the cricket committee under Straussy is going to take a look at. So I think this year, county cricket is spread a little bit more through the season. There is none between middle of July and middle of August. That is four-day matches, obviously, because of the 100, which very much takes precedence. And it's, there is some 50-over cricket to watch for some of those who don't want to watch the 100. It'll be slightly understrength county teams playing in that, but at least there will be some, some cricket to watch. And actually, of course, you could watch both. You could watch a 50-over game for your county and then watch a 100 game in the evening as well, if you so desired. Great to, to hear that the BBC will be covering some of those games in collaboration with Sky, so it'll be simulcast on Sky and on BBC TV as well, and I've heard rumours that it might even go online as well, so lots of access to watch these games, the 100 games. Uh, the Championship sort of stops a little bit in um, early July, but you do feel like it's spread out a bit more, and clearly there is an intent from both Tom Harrison and I know from Ashley Giles as well to make sure that the county championship is spread more evenly through well, I think it will be next, next year, year yeah. I mean, seven, this year, seven out of the 14 games will be finished by the end of May Yeah. so I mean, they, they're looking to address that definitely. Which is good, obviously yeah. 
So what else is in the mag for this next month? Uh, I've actually done quite a big piece on mental health. The previous podcast was very much about that and about the issues facing cricketers, the stresses and strains and pressures on them, which are very specific to the game of cricket. And I've done a big feature. And in fact, there's also a piece from about Luke Sutton as well, who wrote this book, Back from the Edge, and uh, experienced a, a real breakdown after he'd given up cricket, uh, which he had a, a lot of trouble getting back from. He even had to go to that rehab clinic, the Priory, to deal with alcohol addiction and so on. So that's an interesting story. And there's, there's another angle on mental health in cricket generally. I don't want to sound too depressed, depressing here, but uh, by, from Gary Cozier, interestingly, who, of course, played for Australia in the 1970s, very much in the Packer era, and is now a, a sort of therapist and sports psychologist himself and talks about the work he's doing in the game. Uh, what else are you going to pick out from, from this month's mag? Well, I went down to interview Chris Tremlett. Uh, he lives near Gatwick Airport. Top chap. Um, he gave me a wide-ranging interview about Hampshire, Surrey, England, uh, how, we've, how he's initially didn't feel particularly welcome in the England dressing room about around 2006-7, but obviously 2010-11, you know, he, that was his um, halcyon period. Um, some interesting anecdotes there about um, how much he got paid by counties and... Uh, how he was made to play through a side strain by Michael Vaughan, uh, and um, yeah, and, and uh, if anybody's seen pictures of him lately, that that amazing physique. I mean, mm. I yeah, go I, online. I mean, yeah, it's well, incredible. His Instagram it? account. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, felt you know somewhat inferior um, <laughs> alongside. I him. can see why. <laughs> I mean, he's not only... He's a man-mountain, isn't he, now? Yeah. He was very tall, but now he's very wide as well. Yeah, I mean... And it's all muscle. And it, well, all muscle, seven meals a day, you know. He, yeah. He'd grind up, um, blend up sort of chicken breasts and, and put a load of peanut butter in there to get all the calories up and everything. <laughs> Sounds a bit grim, really, but... Um, no, really nice bloke. Really nice bloke. Uh, who t- Tell you who wasn't a particularly nice bloke, who we've also got a feature on, and I say not a nice bloke, he wasn't a nice bloke with a ball in his hand. Sylvester Clark is our feature uh, from the, 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 my favourite, and he certainly wasn't my favourite. Mm. Uh, facing him was absolutely the, the most terrifying experience. I was lucky, actually, to survive. I got hit on the side of the head third ball by mm. Sylvester Clark, and I had a mark on the side of my helmet to, to remember it by. Sadly died when he was only in his mid-40s. I think he died, actually, because he was... He, he died from liver failure, I think, because he'd... Basically, because he'd drunk so much rum... Uh, which is really sad, but my goodness, he was an incredible bowler. Beefy both had the right idea of taking him out on the on the razzle every yeah. before the game, didn't he? To That's soften him up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it worked. Probably did. <laughs> so uh, two sort of fast bowlers themed there in the mag. Yeah, and a brilliant women's T20 World Cup preview, team by team, uh, by James Coyne and Nick Friend. Yeah, and, and that's going to be interesting to see, actually. You know, those three sort of key teams, Australia, India and England, how they front up in the end in this T20 World Cup because there was that tri-series they played out before the, uh, the T20 World Cup started and uh, Australia reigned supreme again there and Indian, India was second and England came third. So whether they can up their game, I'm sure it was a really valuable experience they're playing in that little tri-series before this tournament. I do feel that we're on the, the cusp of something really big with women's cricket, actually, with that tournament and with the, uh, the coverage it's getting. I think there's, gonna, there's a women's IPL in, in the mix in, in the future. Obviously, the 100 will feature a women's 
uh, tournament in parallel to the men's, and that will get the TV yeah. coverage as well. So we've got Laura like Marsh in the mag as well, talking about you know uh, team by team, and uh, the cricketer's website has um, been lauded by a lot of people for the package we put together previewing the tournament so anybody's check that out with um, ground guides and team guides in fact uh, the, the cricketer website has just won its second award from the ecb for, for best digital coverage of, of cricket so that's a, a great accolade for sam mooreshead and his team to uh, to receive and if you want to go and find that and there's so much stuff on there actually now www.thecricketer.com you know really is a brilliant website lots to to read there we should finish, though, with, I suppose, the idea of participation and the idea of encouraging the next generation. And going back to Tom Harrison's interview, the thing I really liked about his comment near the end was one thing he wants to see is kids playing on the outfield during lunch intervals and tea intervals or test matches. And that's how I kind of almost got interested in the game myself, actually. I used to go and watch Kent... And I used to go on the outfield and try and catch the attention of the players on the balcony as they were having their lunch or tea, playing in tennis ball matches. And I just think it's a great way of getting the next generation interested. Yeah, I used to play tennis ball about at Hove. I remember Middlesex playing there one year and getting Phil Edmonds to stop and pose for a picture. But he, he, um, Tom was... You were lucky. (laughs) Well, there is a slight twist to the tale, but I didn't want to land. He He didn't. He said, I won't stop. You can take it, but it won't stop. <laughs> you, know, he, you know he, one year, decided to play as an amateur, and uh, so instead of signing his name, Phil Edmonds, he wrote Mr P.H. Edmonds oh. on people's books. <laughs> so just, he was a mad guy. I had one of those Polaroids, you know, you take ten pictures of, for about five quid or something, and I used one up, moving image of Phil Edmonds. I remember Garth LaRue did pose very nicely for a picture, yeah. So, so, that, so that's, a, that's a good initiative from Tom Harrison to try and encourage more grounds to get the kids out there playing their, yeah, their tennis ball cricket. Test matches. Yeah. So, uh, he, you know, he said he watched that incredible Transvaal side of the 1970s and, and they played on the outfield. He said that we saw kids playing on the outfields in South Africa and New Zealand over this winter and he wants kids playing at tests in England. I mean, that, that would be really revolutionary, wouldn't it? Um, used to go down with Dad and uh, see the day-night cricket in the very early days of day-night cricket in South Africa. Um, and my favourite part of the game was when we well, was 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 the break between innings where you could jump over the fence and play um, and play with Wanderers, your dad and uh, at the Wanderers, yeah. And so uh, that's one of the things actually that I would love to be able to hear more often. I know they do it at county championship mm. cricket. Um, but imagine at test matches, and we see it in different parts of the world. We saw it in New Zealand um, recently, saw it in South Africa as well. Um, just getting kids out of the ground uh, mm. during lunch and tea. They did the Oval, didn't they? Yeah, we tried to do it uh, often, and uh, I, 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 I always stress the point that I think we've got to work very hard to try and do that, because okay. it's kind of how a lot of people um, were brought to the game, and uh, some, for, some, for some young people, it's the best part of watching cricket. Definitely, I, uh, I, I, I don't support it. Do you know why? Because of my, my memory of playing a, a match against Somerset, walking off the field at the end, kids come running on, they want autographs. I've only in my third game, and the kid, he goes up to Ian Botham, Mr Botham, Mr Botham, can I have your autograph? Then Mike Gatting, my captain, Mr Gatting, Mr Gatting, can I have your autograph? So they both signed, and then this kid looked at me in my third game, and he said... Sign here, mate. <laughs> and he gave me an autograph book and a pencil. And I signed my name with this autograph I've been practising for years. 
to try and uh, have the opportunity to, to, to do, give somebody an autograph. And he looked at it for about five seconds, and then he just rubbed it out. Oh, so I don't want to see any children cutting, on cutting. the outfield ever again. Of course I do. Yeah. I think it's a great initiative. And I think Tom Harrison generally spoke really well there. He, he does, as we both said, he does really care as do all those guys in the offices, the ECB offices, we can sort of see behind the Lord's Media Centre. They want this game to thrive, as, of course, we all do. And let's hope in a month's time that the weather improves a bit and everyone can get out there and cover that beautiful green swarth with white figures playing championship cricket. Hugh, thanks for your time. Thanks for your input. It was a really interesting interview, that, with Tom Harrison. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.